Welcome to Copy That Radio. I'm Seth Horst, retired law enforcement. And I am Jared Milkey, a retired firefighter. We started this podcast to tell the real stories of first responders to the general public. We believe there is a disconnect between what actually happens in the world of first responders and what the public perceives happens in the world of first responders. Jared and I are both full-time realtors here in the inland Northwest. And if you want to partner with us at eXp Realty, please shoot us a message. That's right. We currently serve the inland Northwest, but we can help you get started in real estate wherever you live. Now, here's a word from our sponsors. Thank you. Welcome to Copy That Radio. This show is sponsored by Patriot and Company. Patriot and Company is a veteran-owned, veteran and first responder-owned company that provides all natural soaps and beard care products. They have a men's line and a women's line. Seth, what's your favorite flavor? Hipster repellent. Hipster repellent is the anti-skinny jeans scent. There's plenty of other scents. Go get yourself some. Use the code copy that all caps, for 10% off anything on patriotandcompany.com. This show is also sponsored by ninjarub.com, which will take you to sierrawana.com, the parent company. Sierra Wana specializes in natural body care products using traditional methods of infusion, capitalizing on herb synergy. Uh, our personal favorite is Ninja Rub. One Ninja of Rub is the jam. It's the jam. Uh, we use it for all of our sports and jujitsu related injuries. And for fifteen percent off, use the code Copy That All Caps. All caps. Copy that at NinjaRub.com. Boom. And we're, li- we're live, baby. We're live. Uh, Greg, pleasure to see you. I- I don't know that I've like been in your physical presence for like 15 years or I don't know. It's been a long time. You know, I was thinking about this morning and I was, it's got to be at least 10 years since we worked together down in Southern Humboldt. So yes, um, yep. I think I saw you maybe once or twice since then, but um, yeah, we haven't worked together in at least a decade, I would say. Uh, at least I left there in 2009, uh, 10, oh. 2010. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Huh? It does. Uh, I was thinking, Jared, that we need to get a taser sound for one of our buttons oh, because yeah. one of my fondest memories of you, Greg, was I was I, I've been thinking about this story, so I wanted to share it. Uh, I was working graveyards with Lenny, and we were sitting in the middle of um, uh, Redway. Was it Redway? Mm-hmm. Where the bar was. Okay. So we, and we would black out in the certain alley and we would sit there and shut the engine off. So it was like dead quiet. You could hear everything in town with the windows down. And, and we're sitting there one night and I hear a bunch of yelling and then a kick, 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 kick from a taser. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a taser. And we hauled ass over by the sheriff's substation there in town. And you were there. I cannot remember the dude's name, but he was like a local dirtbag and mm-hmm. he was always getting into shit. And he was sitting on the ground and he had just tased him. And I was like, it was just, it was funny because you could hear that damn thing across the town from blocks away and we knew exactly what it was. Yeah, it was in Garberville and, Garberville, uh, yeah, thank you. I can't remember his name either. His local, uh, used to arrest him all the time yeah. for you know, math and, and that kind of stuff. I got a foot pursuit with the guy over at the, uh, the Best Western Motel <laughs> and chased him about a uh, quarter mile-ish. And I finally caught him, which for me is pretty good, my slow ass. Um, I caught up to him and uh, took him down, but then he was on his back, and he wanted to still fight. And I'm like, well, 
nah. So I just freaking lit him up with the taser and, and uh, worked pretty good. But one of the only times a taser ever worked in my career. Um, so it's funny that you were, I, I can't even remember. Oh, that yeah. It was a long time ago. Such man. a random, um, I know, such a random memory. I don't know why that stuck with me. Um, that was fun. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, can you confirm, I've been telling this story for years to my kids, uh, a certain individual named Packy Packrat. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He's he's real, right? Because I tell he's my kids, and, thank you, thank you. Yeah, he lived down on uh, uh, Sprawl Creek Road there on the left as you're heading down towards Tubi Park. Yeah. yeah and he would go around town and uh, collect cans and stuff. And his name was legally changed to Packy Packrat. It was Packy Packrat. You you just validated so much of my life to to I'm gonna have my kids listen to that because I didn't know if they actually believe me but that's like the only part of the show they can listen to. Right? He passed yeah. away a number of years ago, but yeah. I, I figured he did. He was up there in age, you know, last time I saw him. But gosh, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. Well, hey, can you give us like a quick run? You're retired now, so you can talk about stuff a little more freely. Can you give us a quick rundown of your career, like where you started, where you worked, and how long and yeah, so I, I was super. I had a, a, a blessed career. I started uh, with the Ferndale Police Department there in Humboldt County, California, in January. Of, I want to say it was '03. Uh, I worked there about two and a half years. Uh, you know, it's a little department, not a lot going on. You get real good at doing DUIs, stuff like that. But uh, um, so I decided to go over to an opportunity opened up in Rio Dell. Um, so I worked for the Rio Dell Police Department. Great place to work for about a year and a half. Uh, lots of lots of hot police action there. Uh, and then um, the opportunity came up to go to work for the Humboldt County Sheriff's Office, where I worked for about 14 years and retired uh, the rank of lieutenant in charge of the patrol operations division SWAT team. FTO program. Uh, yeah, it's good times. I was super blessed. I had um, I had the opportunity to work in the marijuana unit, uh, rural crimes. Is that a thing in Humboldt County? No. Uh, marijuana? No. You know? I didn't realize that. <laughs> What's that, Jared? I just said no. I, nobody was more shocked than I was when I came across marijuana. But uh, yeah, uh, did the marijuana thing, ended up on a TV show. Um, then I promoted into investigations, did, uh, mainly homicides, uh, and then the opportunity came up to pr- uh, promote to sergeant. Uh, so I went back out to patrol and, uh, did that for a few years and then bumped my head and promoted to lieutenant. Um, and yeah, and then I just, you know, the scamdemic hit and, uh, just kind of had enough and pulled the pin and moved out here where it's illegal to turn left in your car. <laughs> what, uh, you're, you're over in Tennessee now living the good life, man. That's correct. I'm over in central Tennessee, uh, God's country, as I like to call it, uh, figuratively and literally. But you didn't totally hang up the holster, did you? No, I, you know, I made it a year. I, I was fully retired for a year, and I moved out to a place where I didn't know a single person. And, uh, You'll probably, I know Seth, I know you well. You, uh, Jared, you probably find it hard to believe I'm, um, I'm, it's kind of hard to get me out of my shell. I'm, I'm a pretty quiet guy. Never um, would have guessed that. <laughs> um, I, you know, I finally got to the point where I told my wife, I said, I got to get a freaking mission in life, get a job. You know, that's where you meet people. And so, uh, 
I had the opportunity to work for the local sheriff's office here part-time, working, helping out with their court services, security division. That's a great gig. You get to, I get to shoot the shit with four to 500 people a day, and every once in a while I'll take somebody over to the jail. And uh, so you still kind of stay involved in it a little bit, but not too much. About the time I get tired of it, I go on my seven days off stretch. So that's pretty nice. Um, I don't want to work full time again and isn't in law enforcement. But, it, you know, when you leave, you, you realize pretty quickly that there's a I didn't I never really thought I was that heavily invested in the career. I mean, yeah, I took it serious and I loved it. But some guys are just all about being a cop. Right. Yep. And um they end up being a statistic a lot of times, but uh, I didn't think I was that guy, but you do start to miss the camaraderie and, and uh, uh, just having a mission, I guess. I, I'm sure that's the same thing with you guys in the fire service. My son-in-law is in the fire service, so he'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, that's the long answer, I guess, to your question. Perfect. Do you, are you still, because uh, when we met, you were working out, you had a, a little gym going. And you actually were the first person I ever, you had that little laser simulator on the pistol. And that was the yeah. first time I ever did that. We incorporated workouts and then you had to shoot the oh, gun. Yeah. So you had to like bring your heart rate down enough to shoot accurately on that little laser simulator. And then, you know, if you missed, you had burpees or something. So that was the first time I ever did that. And that was pretty cool, man. I, I You introduced me to it. It was good. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I still actually have that thing. Damn. Uh, so it works. Yeah. Um, it's in the garage where my gym's at, but uh, I see a yeah, that's what we were doing you there. Our, uh, our tactical athlete programming um, yeah. kind of played that off of you know I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I really look up to a guy named Rob Shaw. He runs an outfit out of uh, Wyoming, um, so I, I was following him, and I kind of uh, I kind of utilized a lot of what he was doing and um, in our CrossFit gym, so. Uh, yeah, it was for you know most of us were cops that were working out there, so I thought it was pretty applicable. Yeah, Chase you know? Chase dragged me along to that. Good old Chase, yeah. love Chase. Good old Chase, yeah. Shout out, What's yeah. Up, he's all married up again, yep. got kids, and uh, doing really well. Yep, Chase is a cop. Yep, mm. I know how appropriate. Dang, homeboy can chase him down too. He's uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Straight from Paw yeah. Patrol. <laughs> it was it was funny because he and Seth would be back there, you know, when it was like downtime down in Southern Humboldt, and uh, they had a little setup down there at the office, and they they put the gloves on and get after it down there. We, and uh, we'd have a gang of deputies sitting around watching us box. It was hilarious, man. <laughs> Middle of the night. Yeah, yeah. Were they all eating Cheetos? And ah, these dudes were. Look at it, Greg. It was Greg and his crew. They were oh, squirming. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Murder Mountain, dude. People ask me about that shit all the time. I don't. I'd never heard that term when I was working down there. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the documentary? And uh, like, do you have any insight? Did you ever work on the drug task force down there? So, well, that's a great question. There's a couple <laughs> questions there. Uh, so, yes, Murder Mountain. I watched one and about a quarter episodes of that if you want to call it a show. Um, I guess it's a show. It was definitely Hollywoodized. Um, so fun fact, I worked on the homicide case of, well, actually was the first responder on Scott Johnson's death. Um, I was out on, I can't remember, uh, shame on me, I don't remember the first victim, but there was a guy that was killed there a couple days earlier 
out there at Rancho. It's actually called Rancho Sequoia, but uh, fondly named Murder Mountain. Um, so the sheriff at the time had myself and another deputy running around out there just doing, we weren't doing anything but proactive stuff. No answering calls unless, you know, a cop was screaming for help or you were right on top of something. All proactive. So we were out there at Rancho handing out business cards like candy on Halloween, looking for any information on that original homicide and the suspect that was still at large. Um, and it was just getting dark. I was talking to a lady on the Alder Point side where Rancho would come out, and it used to, and I hear about seven gunshots. And I said to the lady, holy shit. And she says, ah, they do that all the time when they get scared out here. And I said, well, I hope that's what that was. Well, right about then, my phone starts blowing up. And everybody's like, you got to get out here now. There's been another homicide. I'm like, oh, fuck me running. So we jump in the uh, SUV, and we haul ass over to, to the front end of the rancho off Alder Point Road. And here comes this Toyota. Like It was before they called them Tacomas, but one of them old-school Toyota pickups. Just bombing down this single-lane dirt. You know how that quality road is at Rancho. It's, and now it's dark. And uh, so we light them up. Um, guy's just hauling ass. Uh, we get this guy out who's the most uh, 11,550, which means under the influence, that I've ever seen on top of scared. And he's not making sense. Uh, we end up detaining him. And he says, he's in the back, he's in the back. Well, the tailgate's down on the pickup, and it looks like somebody killed a deer and put it in the back of this pickup truck, right? Well, it was Scott that he'd thrown in the back. Well, when he's bombing down the road, poor Scott flies out of the back of the truck and lands in the middle of the road, unbeknownst to our hero there. And uh, so we end up going in, and we get up to the intersection of Scott's house where the first homicide took place. And we like let's let's wait let's let's be like firemen let's stage. Uh, <laughs> get ready, Jared. I'm gonna mess with you, bro. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but I can take it back. Uh, anyway, so we get some more guys from the SWAT team show up, and we make our way in, and, and we find poor Scott. He's he's DRT right in the road. Poor guy. Um, so. Long story short, SWAT mission, we, we end up catching the suspect in the morning. Um, that show, Murder Mountain, was the biggest crock of shit I've ever seen, and I'll, I'll put that on the record. Uh, I've never once in my time at Rancho seen guys running around with masks and rifles on quads guiding the police in. Um, that doesn't happen. Um, we weren't scared to go out to Rancho. Um, we went out there and hammered the piss out of it after that and got most of their dope out of there like two years in a row. But uh, that's that. And then drug task force. I never was assigned to DTF, but I did work hand in hand with them. They would come out and uh, we would help each other out on investigations for the marijuana unit. And the marijuana unit would help them out. So kind of half ass, but never was technically assigned to DTF. Just the marijuana. Yeah. What uh? What were I? Tr I've tried to explain to some of the people the grows that were going on out there. What were some of the craziest ones that you saw? In Rancho or just in Humboldt? Just in Humboldt, yeah. Man, well, um, craziest ones. I, I don't know. What, uh, Did you ever <laughs> what, see anything like buried in the ground? I've talked about you know people burying shipping containers and running them off of generators and stuff like that. 
Yeah, yeah. We had we had we found those. Although the underground grows were starting to become kind of, uh, uh, there wasn't that many of them at the time. They were kind of getting more brazen, where they just do it outside, uh, or they just do it in outbuildings. Uh, we had one out at uh, the old Ann Victoria's ranch out in um, out towards Dinsmore. And there was these two buildings that were elevated probably about 10 feet off the ground or more and about a football field long each and maybe about 30 feet wide. And uh, so myself and another uh, deputy, I don't, I don't know if I should use people's names. They might get pissed at me. Um, but myself and another deputy end up going out there. We told it was, um, it was a, a Nismet, which is a bigger state operation uh um, that used us to help out. But we told the boss of Nismet, hey, we're going to go ride the quads out. We're going to go check out these buildings. Because you don't just ride off on acreage and not let people know where the hell you're at. So we're in there cutting away on these. And they're just packed full of dope. And they've got the humidifiers and the whole Marianne. But these things are so hot that we're like, we got to get out of here. We're going to freaking die in this thing. So um, I don't think Conan would care if I used his name. Conan comes out and uh, figures out where we're at. Nobody knows where we're at, so Conan and my boss end up finding us. And Conan takes the chainsaw and cuts big holes in the ends of these structures and then takes the takes a piece of equipment and basically bobsleds it out the freaking end of the, the uh, building. Because, <laughs> I mean, we would have literally died in there. It was so hot. We needed some ventilation. And we, I don't know how many freaking plants we got out of that, but that was pretty hairball. They had literally semi-truck trailers, you know, the little, uh, the shorty Bob trailers. Uh, they had two of those full of diesel to power the giant generators on scene. And they, they were leaking all over the place. Um, yeah, that kind of the environmental degradation was, was crazy. Um, and then, of course, you know, you'd find the ones – uh, I will say the craziest thing that I ever found on a marijuana grow was when I was a patrol sergeant. Um, we got called out in the middle of the night down uh, off of uh, Dyerville Loop Road, which is kind of in southern Humboldt. And it, and it seemed kind of like a hokey call at first. Uh, we weren't really sure what was going on because the, the communication between the RP and dispatch was terrible. So we all rolled down. There's like six or seven of us rolled down there. And which leaves like one or two deputies left for the whole county. And it's a 4,000 square mile county, by the way. Um, well, we end up, we roll up in there and there's a bunch of tents for all the tremor, the tremor grins, as they call them. And there's cell phones scattered all over the ground. We're like, oh shit, this isn't good. So we make our way up to the top of the hill and I have the lead deputy have his code, uh, code two lights on because we don't want people just thinking anybody's rolling up and then up getting shot and not have something to say, Hey, we're the popo. Um, so we roll up, uh, we start to clear this big building and I hear some muffled sounds of people calling out. Well, we go and clear the building and we found, I want to say it was 13 people that were hog tied and gagged inside this building. And, uh, so they said, you just missed them. They ran off when you guys pulled up. Um, so they said there was two guys standing there watching them while the ripoff crew was ripping off all of the dope on the property. So, of course, you know, this is like two, three in the morning. And we're like, 
one of the guys I'm working with is like, hey, Sarge, you can see the lights. They're down there in the greenhouses. Well, it's it's like about 300 yards down a hill to these greenhouses. And we don't know how many dudes are down there. Um, you know, And now we're married to these 13 people that we just rescued, right? So he's like wanting to go down there and kick ass and take names. And he didn't bring his pencil or notepad. And I'm like, dude. We, we're married to these people. We can't go down there and get in a gunfight with an unknown number of suspects. So we ended up getting a SWAT team out. Unfortunately, the bad guys got away. But we I really believe that we probably would have had 13 dead bodies on our hands had we not gotten to that scene. Uh, that's probably, honestly, the craziest shit I ever uh, that comes to my mind. And this kind of crap goes on all the time there. You know, people don't want to talk about it, but, you know, they say marijuana is a victimless crime, yada, yada, yada. Uh, no, it's not. Um, but, you know, that's that's something maybe we can delve into if you want to. But, yeah. Where, uh, where are all these uh, people that are doing the rips? Where are they coming from? Are they coming from the city or are they local people too? Yeah, well, it's a mix, mainly uh, out-of-towners that come in um, that do that. I think the people that were involved in this probably had like one or two. Usually what it is is that somebody that used to work on the parcel, uh, so they have insider info, and then they'll bring in some more people to help out. Because, you know, you got to understand, you're talking about, uh, they had a, a, I forgot to mention, there was a U-Haul truck, one of the big U-Haul trucks down at the greenhouse that they had taken there to load all the dope and all the booty in um, from their ripoff. So of course they left the U-Haul and, so, and skated out on foot. But I mean, this is the kind of stuff that's going on down there all the time. And a lot of it doesn't get reported. Um, so yeah, when people tell me marijuana is a victimless crime, I just shake my head. I'm like, you, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. So are, I have a question about that. Are they, um, competing growers or are they just people trying to get rich because they know how much money's there? I'd say 90 some odd percent of the time it's people just trying to get rich off of somebody else's work. You know, growing dope's hard work, whether people, you know, people say they're lazy, but no, growing dope's hard work and it takes time and, and it's easier just to come in and screw a gun in somebody's face and take, you know, a few hundred thousand pounds of dope and skate off and What's the penalty, what's the penalty for that? Grand. What's that, Jared? What's the penalty for that if they get caught? Well, I mean, obviously, if, if they're like with this one here, it would have been kidnapping and armed robbery. And, and oh, and I'm sorry from the from the grower. What if what if the grower catches the bet, like the people trying to steal from them? How's that work out? Death. What's that, sir? Oh, they get shot, right? Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, Many, many times. In fact, there was uh, uh, Wade Harris. I'm sure you remember Wade Harris. He might have been. He may not have been so notorious when you were down there. But there was a guy named Wade Harris in Humboldt. He is a prolific uh, thief. Uh, he was known for ripping people off, sticking guns in their face. Uh, you know, chick fighter, the whole Marianne, real, real salt of the earth kind of guy. Um, we kept arresting him over and over and over again. And we would do bail enhancements on him, and he kept getting out. His girlfriend came into some money and bailed him out several times. And and the, the scuttlebutt in the community was, hey, if we catch this guy, you may not even get a call. And we're like, yeah, that's probably true. 
Well, sure enough, Wade Harris picked the, the, the wrong person to rip off, and they, they caught him and, and killed him. Um, so he was a – he got the – justice that uh, some people would say he deserved i won't say that but uh you know that that was kind of the inevitable outcome i think with him uh, but if you get caught let's say you're the let's say jared you're the you're the marijuana grower especially now with the landscape in california with legalization um let's say you're a permitted grower you have all your your licenses from the state the county yada 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 then you catch a person ripping you off uh, obviously, you'd place them under private person's arrest. They're they're trespassing. They're stealing. God knows what other things they've been doing. But that right there, you know, that's a felony in its own. Is is you know you're gonna, you're talking about grand theft if you're taking over nine hundred, I think fifty dollars. Um, and of course, it's up to the DA's office to decide what they're going to charge at the end of the day. But as the officer, they'd be charged with trespassing and 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 theft and. God knows, probably vandalism because they probably busted some stuff getting in, and you know it goes on. But um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, but in California, probably not a lot, to be honest. The way things are going there, yeah. Uh, hope yeah. answers that. Should we ask him about our friend that went down there for a short time? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, what uh, what um. What's the most amount of marijuana you ever processed, you ever saw? I, these numbers, like, I have a number in my head because I saw a van that uh, DTF loaded up out of a house one time, and I, I want to say it was like 800 pounds. It was so unbelievably a huge amount of bud, like all packaged in garbage bags. I could not believe it. Um, but you may have seen more. I don't know. Yeah, me personally, um, I know they've gotten more now because they they just keep finding bigger, bigger grows. But uh, when I was on the marijuana unit, uh, right after we quit uh, filming that TV show, uh, we came across a huge grow out in. Uh, I want to say it was uh, it was just outside of Alder Point area, and we had so much hanging drying marijuana on top of the growing marijuana and packaged marijuana. We took all the hanging drying bud that hadn't been taken off the stalks yet, stems, and put it in the back of a three-quarter ton Dodge pickup with a six-and-a-half-foot bed. And we stomped that dope down so to get it all in there. It The truck bed was full all the way to the top, front to back, and was so packed in there that when we opened the tailgate, it was like... It had been put in a vacuum sealed bag and all the air sucked out of it and it was a block and the truck was sagging. So that was just the hanging drying dope, not counting the processed and the growing shit. So that was probably at the time the most that I'd ever seen. And of course we had detained about 20 people. We started running out of handcuffs. It was a freaking goat rope. Um, but, <laughs> that truck uh, must have been so stinky for weeks after that. Oh gosh. And you know, and I'll say his name cause I know he doesn't mind, but Todd Fulton, the, the Todd, as we called him, guy that pisses excellence. Um, he, <laughs> that guy, he has such a good nose that, that somebody decided, I'm not shitting you. We had a bud about like this that we had taken of one of the many and somebody stuck it under the seat of his truck, his patrol <laughs> truck. 
And as soon as he got the truck, he jumps back out and looks around and finds that dope under it. I'm like, how in the hell do you smell that? We're around this shit all day long, but you couldn't get one past the old Todd. That smell, like, it's so nauseating if you're cleaning up a grow and you're getting it all over your clothes and it's just sticky, everything's sticky and just, oh, man, it's... That's the good stuff, right? It's, gnarly. it's definitely, as far as dope, it's the good stuff, but, man, it is some sticky yeah. shit. You know, the worst part of it is that my wife uh, threatened to cut my balls off. Um, <laughs> and if you ever met my wife, that might be an actual uh, legitimate I, threat. I um, uh, so when you're working with this marijuana, it gets infused in your clothing, right? Well, at the time, they didn't have a washer and dryer at the department, which I think they do now out at their, their they call it the boat shed. Uh, but you'd have to wash your own clothes in your own washer and dryer. Well, you can't get the smell out with, you know, we tried Simple Green and some of the other uh, products at the time. You just couldn't get the smell out of your clothes. Well, you put them in the wash, you wash them separate. I'd wash them like twice, and then you throw it in the dryer. Every item of clothing that we owned smelled like pot for years. <laughs> I mean, you would have thought we were dope growers. I mean, we just blended in, right? Yeah, you but just did it with everybody thought, else. You mother. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, oh, that's one great. Of that's like when you uh, when you have a, a gas day at uh, you know SWAT. You guys probably did that. We did it for SRT, mm-hmm. and you got CS gas all over your all over your uniform. You throw it in the washer with you with your wife's underwear and whatnot. Yeah, it's not a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it, it puts a kind of burning sensation. That, <laughs> well, you never want a burning sensation downtown, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, good times, man. Good times. Was uh, it uh, was it a hard transition for you getting out? You said you took uh, a year off. You know, it, I you know I pulled the band. I literally ripped the bandaid off. I retired on a Thursday, uh, loaded my moving van on Friday, and Saturday morning hit the road and started driving to Tennessee. Wow! Uh, so and then I bought. Uh, I got a little over five acres here. Um, so, you know, I had about, uh, seven, 800 feet of fence I needed to build to keep my dogs in and, uh, you know, you don't want to be a soft target, right? So I want my property secured. So I built a, a, it's completely fenced off. I had to build all that fence and, um, built an out structure of my, it's a, basically a shop garage slash CrossFit gym, whatever. And, uh, just kept me busy for about a year. And then I just, I got all the exigent things done. And then, then things got a little interesting because, you know, I am a really social guy and I knew everybody in Humboldt County shit. You could have transferred me to the missing persons division and I I probably find them, but here I didn't know a soul. So, uh, that was kind of difficult. I'm not going to lie that, that, that when, when things finally slowed down and I could pick my head up from all my work, I realized, shit, man, I, I got to get out and start meeting some people. And um, Because when you're in law enforcement, you know how it is. I'm sure it's the same with the fire service. You know, I, I was a mill worker uh, for almost 12 years before I was in law enforcement. And, you know, the old saying, uh, birds of a feather flock together is true. I mean, when I was a mill worker, I hung around with mill workers. And, and when I was popo, I hung around with cops. So... Um, you just, I, and, and you guys have touched on this on the, I've heard you talking on your previous podcasts about, you know, the difficulties of, you know, we kind of pigeons pigeonhole ourselves by, 
Um, you know, I've got this great book here. I'll plug it. You guys can cut it out on your podcast if you want. But but this book right here, uh, I highly recommend it. To, it's called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement by Kevin uh, Gilmartin, Ph.D. Um, it's a great book for all first responders and their, their spouses to read, I think. But it talks about how you you start to isolate yourself. You know, you used to have friends that were in different occupations, and you pretty soon you start isolating yourself away from those people. And then the next thing you know, you're just hanging around with a bunch of cops. And, uh, you know, I love, I love most of my cop friends, but you know, you haven't never met a bunch of miserable bastards as cops, right? So that's, that's true. I mean, yeah, I, I tell you the thing about cops, man, it could be raining pussy and money outside and, and cops will bitch that they left their umbrella at home. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, fucking stand outside with your mouth open and enjoy it. Um, but um, you guys are probably going to have to edit the crap no, out of this. No, but, no. It's, <laughs> but, it's, it goes all in, yeah. I mean, people, they should know by now the show is not, yeah. not kid-friendly. So <laughs> if that kind of stuff offends them, they're already not listening. So. Right, right. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, you're right, though, man. I did. I have read that book, by the way. That's a, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. Dealing with that, it can be a toxic environment and it's, uh, it's nice to kind of get out. Do you, um, this is kind of a personal question. Do you carry a gun still or, or off duty or have you ever? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say most of the time I do, uh, I'm not going to lie and say I do 100% of the time, uh, especially, you know, out here in Tennessee, uh, um, spoiler alert, it gets a little warm. And it, it can be difficult sometimes to uh, effectively conceal carry. Uh, this is a constitutional carry state, so you can open carry whatever you like here, which I think you're an idiot if you open carry. That's my own personal opinion. Agreed. Um, but I don't want people to know I'm carrying. I do my best to try to avoid detection of that. And it's really difficult when it's, you know, 90 degrees and the humidity is, you know, 90%. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There are times when I just am like, yeah, you know, I might, I might, uh, I might be in a bad position. I don't want to be in today, but, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I don't go out a lot. Uh, I was kind of a homebody when I was in Humboldt. I, you know, I knew everybody, but I didn't go out a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm usually here on the property, so I don't have to worry about it so much. Um, but if I go to like, uh, we don't have we have Sam's Club here. If I go to Sam's Club or something like that, I always carry because I don't want to be that guy that's not prepared when the shit hits the fan. It, you know, I, God forbid. I hope it never happens, but because um, nobody ever wants to be involved in the shooting, whether they think they do or not. Um, but um, yeah, that's a long and short answer, I guess. Yeah i I went through a phase where I I, I don't it was like detoxing when I retired. I kind of I went for a couple months where I just stopped carrying. I was like, I'm fucking done. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I needed it to like reset my brain, but I carry now most of the time. And I don't feel that same, pr- I don't know. I had this weird pressure of like having to perform. So it was always on my mind. And I was like, it was very distracting from my life and being with the family. You know what I mean? Like we're in out in public and I'm unable to pay attention to my kids and wife because I'm paying attention to everything else. And it was like, mm-hmm. it's fucking exhausting. So hypervigilance yeah. sucks Hyper, yeah it does it does it's it, it wears you down it's exhausting you know i, I don't know i don't want to interrupt but uh 
just tell him to shut the fuck up. But you will anyways. Know. It's okay. Uh, but you know, but you're right though. I mean, I probably didn't carry for, I'd say probably at least six months after I retired because I was just over it. I think you hit the nail right on the head. I never, I never even thought of that that way, Jared. The, the hyper vigilance. You know, I was, I was over it. I wasn't in law enforcement anymore. It wasn't my responsibility. Um, I think I said I'm not ever. I don't ever want to carry a effing gun again when I retired. But then, but then you know, and everybody's got their their own take on this. And and but for me. It's like, you know, when I'm out with my wife or at a greater extent, I'm out in public. I feel like, you know, I've, I've got a certain level of training like you have that I almost feel like I'm really doing the community a disservice if I go out in public with half a sword. You know, if I if I, God forbid, ever found myself in this position where there was an active shooter and I didn't have my firearm and I knew that there was a high probability that I could have ended that. And I wasn't prepared, and instead I got a can of flipping soup in my hand to throw at a guy. That's going to be a real hard pill for me to swallow. Um, and, you know, if I have my grandkids with me, I sure as shit don't want to be ill-prepared. You know, I want to be able to, you know, I'm going to try to get them, obviously, to safety. I don't want to get them. I'm not going to engage with my family in tow, if at all possible, unless it's just one of those you can't help it. But, uh I just think personally for me, it's a responsibility with all the training and experience and whatnot. Um, but yep. I, I, you know, that's just me. Um, yeah. so yeah, you, just for the record, you get bonus points. If you take down an active shooter barehanded, just so you know, that'd be freaking badass, bro. And I, if anybody do it, it'd be you make sure you flex for the camera when you're done. Cause there's cameras. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. You only do you something mean gene. <laughs> hey brother. The uh, cream raises to the top, you know. <laughs> anyway, one of my heroes, Randy Macho Man. So oh, he's dead now. Uh, yeah. R.I.P., bro. Um, that's something we've talked about. I don't think we've talked about it on the show though. Is like when you when you do leave your public service, like you, that obligation to feel like you have to protect everyone or you have to be that person. Um, it doesn't go away. No, no, it doesn't. Um, I wish it did, to be honest with you, because I would love to be able to just, uh, you know, say ignorance is bliss, right? You know, be able to just walk around, and and uh, and and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, you know, because I don't I don't want to. Everybody lives their life, right? As long as you're not creating a, tra- a, tor- a tort or trespass upon me, I don't really care what you do. Um, but I, I kind of am envious of people that walk around. You know, when I was a mill worker, I didn't know that all this BS was going on. You know, no clue. Um, and I probably worked with a ton of felons and parolees and never had issues with them. Most of them did their thing. And and I, and I kind of missed those days, to be honest. But that ship's passed. Uh, it sailed off. And I'm on it. And, you know, I hope that if I live to be 80 years old, that I'm still... Then they'll then they'll be like he's just old, and then surprise. <laughs> surprise. <laughs> well, that, that's what Seth and I we've talked a lot about this. We actually did a um, we did a men's coaching group together last year where we worked through some of the stuff, and uh, you know that that obligation to always be hyper vigilant or be the protector it it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a weapon on you or you have to have a gun. Like we don't. I don't carry um, much here in Idaho. In Florida, I did because Florida is a very violent place. 
there's just not a lot going on up here. But the uptick in violence the last few years has got me recon. You know, I'm I'm rebuilding my carry uh, gear, or my arsenal, whatever. What would you call the total kit? Yeah, your kit. My kit sound cool. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm <laughs> I'm reorganizing, rebuilding that stuff. But I mean, I carry when I go out in the woods and I'm hunting, or because the, there's a bunch of sketchy stuff in the woods always. But not animals, people. Um, but there's this, I use this one example. There was this kid, like a, I think he's like 20 years old. I'd say he's a kid. He's a man in our, in our hometown back in the day, he stabbed two 80 year old people to death at the entrance to a target. Like he's just mentally disturbed and all the people there just watched like nobody stopped. Mm. Like you don't, in my shoes or any of yours, any of our, our people, like we're going to jump in and gun or not, that's like my body is going into that situation, right? So you don't you don't necessarily have to be the gun toter and be ready to shoot shoot it out at the OK Corral like people think, but you can you can still be prepared and aware and not be hyper vigilant is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's 100 percent accurate, and and you know as well as I do, if you're the you know a lot of people, most people are followers, right? Um, sheeple, as they say. Um, you know, it, all it takes is one person to act and then other people will go, Oh shit. And right. they'll jump in too. So now you've got, you know, a pile on this guy because you may have been the one that said, well, I'm not gonna stand here and hold my dick while these guys get killed. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you, even though you're not armed because you have the right mindset and, and I don't know, I don't, you know, full disclosure, I, I've never met Jared. I know Seth really well, but, you know, I don't know your background, Jared, but other than, you know, you're in fire service. Um, I, I'm big and I could smother people even with no skills. <laughs> and now, now Seth is teaching me jujitsu, so I have some skills. True. Yeah, he's big. Hey, and by the way, when you're in the woods, uh, bear rape is real. So just uh, it's good. Are, to are you speaking from experience? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny, <laughs> but you can't rape the willing. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> I'm more worried about people in the woods. Two consenting Florida, animals. I grew up with Florida man, so you know that's it is what it is. What's the uh, Florida version of Yeti again? I can't. A skunk ape. Skunk ape. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that's that that's only terrible. that's only from Central Florida South. The from Central Florida North, it's just Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah, that's because they talk about Bigfoot here in Tennessee as well. Yeah. He's everywhere, man. Bigfoot's everywhere. You'd think somebody'd found him by now. Real yeah. deal. We lived in Tennessee for three years and I never saw him. I hunt I hunted like crazy out in the um the eastern edge of Tennessee and never saw Bigfoot. So Oh yeah. Well and there's lights kinda of, you know, that uh, eastern part of Tennessee reminds me of a lot of Humboldt County with yeah. the you know, the the uh, growth and I was riding through there on my motorcycle, went into North Carolina and did, did uh, the dragon's tail and all that. And uh, I was like, man, this reminds me a lot of like route one down, you know, when you're going down towards Fort Bragg and all that. Mm. Yeah. It's very similar. There's a lot of things about Tennessee here that remind me of being back in Humboldt. So it wasn't a huge transition shock, you know, culture shock for me, but uh, I haven't seen him either. There's a bunch of, we Cali. talked about what would you do if you found Bigfoot? Would you shoot him or would you? Oh uh, no! Oh no! He's my my kin. I'm gonna watch. Say hi. <laughs> Either that or try to capture him or something, right? Make a bunch <laughs> of money. No, man. I'm I'm like, you know, we'll shake hands and I'll come back and see him again. Like, I'd wrestle that big bastard. No, no. <laughs> so Tennessee thing, <laughs> you jogged something in my memory. There's a if you ever make it out um, east of Chattanooga. Do you know where Cleveland is? 
Yeah. Like if you head towards Okoe from Cleveland into the mountains there and go north, there's a little town called Benton. And Benton Shooter Supply is a massive gun store in the middle of nowhere. They do a bunch of online work. They have a huge archery shop and gun store and they're like an outfitter. Um, wow. It's a pretty cool place. I think I bought a couple guns from them when we lived there. But one night we were in there and a group of um, your people showed up, pickup trucks, hauling four-wheelers. You know, clearly they were cops, but they weren't in uniform. And there's some state guys. Um, what's it called in Tennessee? TBI, I think, is their state yeah. agency. Uh, uh, what is it? Tennessee Wildlife yeah. Agency, yeah. I think. Yeah. It was, yeah. But it was, a, it was a group of several state agencies together. They were And they were going to bust up a grow in the mountains there. And one of the guys, you know, I just started talking to him because that's what firemen do. They just talk shit all the time. So um, <laughs> he was telling me, just started telling me stories. And he was like, yeah, man, you'd be surprised at the like the booby traps they have here for us he said one of the most popular things that they had seen is they'll take rattlesnakes run a big like a big giant fishing hook through their tail cut the rattles off and tie them up in the grow so while they're cutting the grow down they can't hear the snakes mm. damn so did i guess that leads me to uh booby traps did you ever have booby traps on the grows you busted uh, you know i never really came across any real um maybe a couple little little things like they'd put some fishing hooks up or something kind of, you know, like to catch you or something, but nothing really cool to talk about. Thankfully we never, never found anything um, that you, know, you heard about it, but I never, I never found it. And I think it was probably because they knew that at the end of the day in California at the time that I was enforcing marijuana, it, it was barely a crime. Now you start throwing in hurting cops, then you've just raised the level of, you know, of, uh, crime drastically. So usually they just run off in the woods and we, you know, yell, yell bye-bye and, uh, you know, take their dope and, and laugh and maybe leave them a note. And that was about it. But yeah, I never was really fortunate. Um, that I never ran in any serious uh, stuff that really even comes to mind. Yeah, no, so. no, uh, like death pits or claymores or anything like that. <laughs> Fortunately, no. <laughs> I think if we would have been doing it 10, 15 years before, that was probably a possibility back when it really wasn't an actual felony. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, it was really, really fortunate that I myself never got hurt and nobody on my uh, team ever got hurt uh doing marijuana enforcement and we we got lucky a few times uh, i think that we probably got lucky more times than we know but uh you know when you, especially when you're doing short haul you're hanging off a helicopter 100 150 feet below you're basically a pinata uh flying in uh, and you know that's that's when you're at your most vulnerable for the pilot and the poor guys and gals hanging off the helicopter so uh, usually you'd see the guys running off into the woods as you're coming in, hanging off this thing. And you're just like, God, I hope nobody starts shooting. <laughs> Cause you know, they tell you when you're doing short haul training that you're cargo yeah. and if something happens, the pilot can basically, it's a little more, but basically push a button and cut you loose. Yeah. Uh, and you know, if he's having a problem with the, with the machine, or God forbid, taking rounds, you know, there's a possibility you might get cut loose. Um, and, you know, 200 and some odd pounds of shit hitting the ground isn't going to end well. So hopefully the trees will break your fall. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like George of the Jungle bouncing through the trees. Yeah, falling. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, we talked yesterday a little bit, switching gears here, um, about uh, shooting that you're involved in. And I know uh, we talked about that it's not been adjudicated yet, so uh, you can only give a little bit of detail. But really, I mean, maybe just even um, the emotional aspect of it for you. And uh, can you... I don't know if you have you thought about that last night. Can you touch on it a little bit? Well, you know, I think about it all the time. I think it's one of those deals that um, I, I think if you've ever been involved in an officer-involved shooting or any kind of shooting, whether you're an officer or not, it's something that sticks with you forever, unless you're an emotional cyborg. Um, I could tell you the evening, the evening of the incident back in 2017, um, that was a real roller coaster because, you know, we got – we got a call. Obviously, I can't go into a lot of details, but um, you know, we got a call to a, a cold, basically a disturbance 415 call. And my partner, who's extremely smart and intuitive, thought there's something not right about this call. And she was right. And, uh, you know, we did everything. I think we did most things right. Um, unfortunately, we did end up getting a shooting, and my partner got shot. Um, and of course, when you're in the middle of the gunfight, it's not a time to really be processing emotions other than, you know, shit, got to deal with the problem, right? Um, but as soon as I was taken off the scene, uh, was relieved, uh, I'm not embarrassed to admit it. I freaking lost my shit because my partner had just been shot. Uh, I was the sergeant on the crew. I was the only supervisor on a 12-hour shift for the whole county. And, you know... She was a relatively new officer. I think she had a little over a year on the job as a patrol deputy. Um, had a lot of time in the jail, but that's a different job. Um, so I felt a great deal of responsibility um, that she got shot. Um, and I would have traded spots with her in a hot minute if I could. Fortunately, she you know she survived. Um, but you know, and and when I say physically survived, there's a whole other gambit that goes along with that. But but. Uh, you know, I broke down. I, I, I felt like, you know, really terrible. The emotions, I was pissed off. I was, uh, you know, I was disappointed, uh, you name it. Um, and I was, I was kind of embarrassed for myself at the time because, you know, we're all dudes, right. And we don't, we don't, you know, we don't cry and all that, which is bullshit. But, uh, yeah, I was a wreck. Um, and it wasn't until I got to see her at the hospital that I kind of felt better that she was going to be okay. And, and she didn't blame me, and you know there was, it wasn't my fault. But you know, you, you take on these things that, whether they're right or not, you take on. Um, I think if you're worth a shit as a human being, you kind of, you know, take on some of that responsibility. And uh, and then of course I went. I took two weeks off from the incident and came back. And I came back too soon. This is kind of a, a tale of uh, for people that, that find themselves in this unfortunate situation. Uh, don't rush back to work. Um, you know, your department um, will give you or should give you the amount of time you need to, to process and, and all that before you return to duty if you decide to do that. I had shift change coming up. So I had a whole new crew coming in. And I'll be damned if I was going to not be there on the first day with a new crew um, at briefing and, and all that. And so I came back after 
actually, I, I can't remember if I took two or three weeks off now, but I came back too soon. And I seemed, I thought I was doing well. And, and I, I, I'm not kidding you. I almost got in another shooting the night, my first night back. It was super close. And I'm like, fuck me. What am I doing, man? Um, so, uh, get a foot pursuit with a felony suspect and chase him all over God's green earth at the casino and finally catch him. And he starts reaching for shit and he's not obeying commands. And literally I told the guy, don't make me shoot another person. And that's when he showed his hands and we got him in custody. And I was like, fuck man. Um, but I thought I was doing okay. And then I started realizing that, uh, you know, when you're a supervisor, your crew is a direct reflection of yourself. And I always had a real happy crew. I always say misery is optional. And this is your 12 hours. You know, you can be a miserable bastard. You can have, have fun. Right. And pretty soon I started noticing that my crew wasn't laughing and having a good time and they weren't what I was used to. And I realized it's not them. It's you, you dumb shit. Um, and, and so I had to really take a step back and do a lot of self-assessing and um, really kind of look at what was going on and, and started talking to a few people. And I, and I tell you, um, but well, kind of make, gives me the goosebumps just thinking about it. But I was on my way to work one day. I had a take-home car and I was on my way in for my shift and another deputy was out on a call on the day shift. And I could tell from the inflection in her voice that things were going to absolute shit on the call she was on. Well, I'm like 20 minutes away from this call at code three, you know, light sirens, fast as you can go. But I got to get through the city of Eureka during the day, which is a nightmare. And the sound of her voice that she sounded like she, you know, that, oh, shit, you you can just tell. Uh, I needed an abalone iron to get the seat cushion out of my ass. Um, and and I felt like all the blood just drain out of my freaking upper body. And I'm going code three, knowing full well, there's going to be cops get there long before I do, but, but I'm going. And then they get there and they go code four, everything's good to go, so I can discontinue. I pulled into the, the parking lot of the station at the Sheriff's Office in Eureka, and I got out of my car, and I took about 10 minutes where I just stretched and walked around and kind of had to get my shit together. And I went into briefing that night, and I told those guys and gals what had happened to me. And, you know, fully just laid myself naked in front of everybody, you know, uh, emotionally, like, hey, this is where I'm at right now. And don't expect a lot from me tonight. I should have went home is what I should have done. But I was extremely honest with my people about what I was going through and what I was dealing with. And it's still, you know, I can feel myself kind of right now just talking about it. It's kind of like bothers me. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's something that you'll always deal with. Um, I don't know if I'll ever 100% get over it. And I guess probably I shouldn't. But because it's one of those situations that's it's a life changing thing. Um, and uh, fortunately, all the good guys and gals live to tell about it. But, uh, you know, if you're ever involved, in, I know I'm rambling here, but if you ever get involved in it, God forbid you're involved in one of these things. Uh, don't be embarrassed to admit how you feel. Um, be honest with people. 
people will respect you a hell of a lot more if you're honest. And if you don't feel like you're cleared hot for duty, freaking pull yourself off the line, man. Um, do yourself and your partners fa a favor and, and pull yourself off the line. Don't be a jackass like I was. I think uh, it's it's important to hear people like you say, you know what I mean, say those things because I've always looked up to you. I know other people look up to you as, you know, you're fucking studly guy, you're beast, big dude, strong, capable. So to hear you, I think people need to hear guys like you say that and not just be like, fucking suck it up, bitch, because that doesn't help anything. So I think setting the example like that is huge and I uh, appreciate you talking on that that was good yeah i have a i just there's a book i'm listening to right now are you familiar with jason wilson no i haven't heard of him the spe right. speaker i just sent the audible book to seth he's going to share it with you um, okay I'll but, send it to you. his newest book's called battle cry and he does a bunch of work in the um i guess masculinity space but it, he's what he teaches is about being a comprehensive man like all this all the stuff we grew up with about like uh, you know clint eastwood and john wayne and not addressing your feelings, not identifying them. Um, that's, uh, that's what leads people down a really dark road. So Jason's books are, and his teachings are about addressing both sides. Like he, he runs a jujitsu academy in Detroit for young. He has a whole program built around young boys, like teaching boys to be men. That's what his focus is. And he speaks all over the world and he's awesome. an author, but um, hmm. you, you can be a warrior and have a soft side. And express your emotions. I would argue and that you need to be that. You absolutely need to. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, yeah. you're all the warriors of old did that. All, like all the famous uh, Greeks, Japanese samurai. Like everybody had both sides. We don't. Goddamn, he man grew up with that shit. Messed me up in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think about all our role models. You know, from you know that we looked up to as kids on TV and movies. You know, we're I was a child of the eighties. You know, that was when all the, you know, Arnold's movies and all that was yeah. real big. So, yeah, you know, that was kind of what you got indoctrinated in, right. And the yeah. dirty haired movies and, yeah. and uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, there's a reason people give a shit, right. You know, us California guys about our retirement, but you know, PERS did a, did a study and they, they, they realized that, you know, a lot of cops are dead uh, within, I think, less than seven years of retirement yeah and you know the all the the emotional roller coaster that messes with your hormones and all that crap and a lot of guys you know unfortunately uh, they don't deal with all this crap over you know a 20 30 year career and and um i don't i don't mean to sound glib but it's what i call because you know we, we i've been to so many of these you know somebody sucks starts their gun you know they just it's unfortunate that they get to a place where they they either feel like they don't have anybody or just can't reach out and that's that's fucked when that's the only solution that you think there is um you know it breaks my heart when i hear that uh that happens it happened really recently to somebody i knew uh, i'm uh, not going to talk about any details of that because i don't think this is the place but um, I, I was really saddened to hear that happen to this individual um really good dude and, it, and it, it really breaks my heart to feel like that he didn't have any place that he felt like man i i i'm 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 in a bad way man i need to freaking get this fixed and this is my only way out and and so you gotta freaking 
You got to be honest. You got to be open. Don't don't worry about. And you know what? Who gives a fuck if people think you're a pussy? Really? I mean, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you know, take care of you and your family and the people you care about. And the only way you can do that is if you take care of yourself. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself freaking divorced with kids that fucking hate you. And everybody thinks you're an asshole. And probably because you are an asshole. Um, I'm bona fide though. I'm a bona fide asshole. So (laughs) even got a patch. Um, I I believe you. That was a, that was a lot of wisdom you just dropped right there, man. It was like straight up. I mean, I know you're, you're talking shit being a little funny too, but that wisdom is, um, solid. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, You know, yeah. I I tried to, I try to drop the truth, but, uh, yeah you know that's how a lot of us deal with this crap right it's through humor people the gallows humor as they call it yep. uh, i listened to a great podcast you guys did here oh gosh it's been probably four to six weeks ago we were talking about those guys in an ois talking about the gallows humor and and uh, yeah it's real man you know when you're on a you're on a scene and somebody freaking you know suck started their gun and, and uh you know you're sitting there dealing with this and the family's, you know, right there. And, you know, that shit sticks with you, man. And it, and it compounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, God bless. Uh, I don't, I sleep really well. Uh, in fact, I slept like a freaking champ last night. You said I wouldn't oh, sleep. Good. Yeah, man. Good. Yeah. Um, Do you take anything for sleep or you just sleep well? Uh, you know, I take uh, melatonin. That's it. Yeah. Um, and it just it just makes me it's a whole next level of sleep mm-hmm. um and not all of it's made the same uh, uh you guys can bleep this out if you want but i get my melatonin from trader joe's i've taken different kinds and the stuff from trader joe's is the bomb man that stuff works like a champ for me uh, i've taken another name brand stuff that doesn't do shit um but i don't take i'm super lucky i don't take any uh, 53 years old. I don't take any medications whatsoever. Um, uh, I think a lot of guys in my shoes are on like three or four freaking medications by now. And, um, but, uh, yeah, freaking melatonin, man, works like a champ. And, and I don't, uh, I'm not waking up as a bedwetter from, ter- from terror uh, dreams. So it's a good thing, right? That's yeah, good. It is good. Yeah. Come back from being a bedwetter. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to come back. <laughs> It's too early for diapers. For me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we uh, we want to be respectful of your time. I know you're well. You're retired, so I guess you don't you don't got shit to do. But but uh, we're retired too. <laughs> Maybe our What's time. What's that mean? <laughs> time to go do our day jobs. Let me go get to work. Um, I uh, really appreciate it. I'm super glad I called you short notice yesterday, and you were game. Uh, I've had some people that are are scared to get on here. Yeah, we have a lot of that. A lot of people are like, yeah, yeah. I'll get on, and then you try to nail down a time, and they're like, Whoa, uh, what, what if I don't have anything don't to know. say? I'm like, y- y- you'll have something to say. We just start talking and shooting the shit, and, like, you know, it, it flows. It does. It yeah, does. Well, well, we'd love to have you back, too. Yeah. That would be, I'm sure you have endless stories. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I'm good at. It's bullshit, and so. Uh... I never would have guessed. <laughs> Yeah, are, are you one of the cops that used to come by the firehouse all the time and bum dinners and wash your car and 
Well, you know, so here's the thing, right? You know, we like to give firemen, the cops like to give firemen a hard time, right? And it's because we're jealous. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Seth is so my, my son-in-law is a fire captain with the local department uh, over there in California. And, um, you know, I got a confirmation that you guys actually do have towel fights in the showers. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's not, it's not fighting, it's hugging. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of uh wet naked man hugging i don't know man i'm not weird. i'm not uh sure i'm down with that not, there's not a lot that bothers me in that <laughs> environment I, mean, I grew up in a locker room playing sports <laughs> i went straight in the fire service into the another locker room now have jujitsu it's another locker like we were gonna do separate shower stalls but all the firefighters requested just to have a communal one so that's how the old sta- like save money. Old stations in a big city or big department, they're like that. It's just a, bit, a wall of showers, like like our locker room in high school was like that. It just it was a yeah. square with a drain in the center and just like four or five shower heads on each wall. No walls, no nothing. Oh my god! You know you got to get concerned when there's budget cuts and they switch to powdered soap. <laughs> oh man! You don't want to drop that shit. You know all it takes to pick it up the shower. <laughs> Uh, there, I, you know, I said, I take that back. I said, not much disturbs me. There is one. I'm going to share this. Oh, one of my <laughs> friends in high school, he thought it was funny. Like we, we'd have our morning training sessions Like we had 6am workouts were mandatory for our football team um, in the off season. And we'd all shower because school started at like seven 30 or seven 15 or whatever it was. And he would think it, he would do this. And people eventually got to a point where people were so pissed. Like we threatened to kick his ass, but he would, while you were in the shower, he would, like, walk up beside you and pee on your leg or your feet. Oh, my gosh. Oh. He thought it was funny. And um, shit like that does disturb me. That's not okay. Thank that's you. uh, that's when the ass whooping's going to get doled yeah, so. out. I'm sorry. And I'll tell you something. You're going to have a hard time finding a dirtier bird than me. <laughs> but I draw the line at being peed on or peeing on anybody, all yeah. right? So. You know, he thought it was funny because the water's warm <laughs> and you couldn't tell. He would just be like <laughs> laughing and like he did it a couple times, and people were like, Dude, "Oh my god, we are going to kick the shit out of you if you don't stop this." <laughs> that ain't right. Wow. Yeah. Is he a firefighter yeah. now? Uh, and he was actually a cop. <laughs> oh, damn he's, it! He's retired now as well, <laughs> with an injury. Um, <laughs> injury sustained during a locker room. Incident. Yeah. No. no yeah. No. <laughs> he got fired for peeing on in custody. Uh, you know what? Man, I haven't even thought about that. I'll get him on the show. I saw a guy do that in the bar one time when I was a bouncer. I actually knew the guy, too. And I actually saw him do it more than once on his, to his girlfriend. He pulled his dick out and peed on her leg. While he's well, that's gross. Like, if you're, yeah, like, a 15 or whatever-year-old kid and you think it's funny, that's different than an adult doing it for Kind of weird. Like, yeah. Kind of weird, Like, right? it wasn't a sexual thing. He was just like, oh, I'm pranking you. Yeah. And everybody's like, no, dude, that's not a prank. That's not Yeah, a prank. no. Um, no a- so I do have, that jogs another memory, several friends that I played ball with and grew up with were very um they were derelict children and they became cops did you guys see a lot of that like a lot of people that were like i know guys that used to sell drugs that are cops now i saw more of the like super straight laced guys becoming cops and that was actually kind of a not a good thing because they were so naive to the world Mm -hmm. um you know what i mean like never done anything like i'm like how do you know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, these guys used to deal weed and pills and stuff when we were kids. That's risky. Now they're cops. Yeah. I mean, uh, not saying you couldn't do it after that. Um, well, they never they never had a record. They like, never got caught. Yeah. Um, 
I'm still, it's like morally, I mean, I did a lot of stupid shit before I became yeah. a cop and I ne- never compromised my morals as a cop. So, uh, it can happen. Yeah. So you could just like fess up and be like, yeah, I sold weed when I was a kid. I was dumb. And they'll be like, right. Hopefully you're, you're good to go. Uh, I mean, that's a tough one. You'd have to have a lot of time in between getting hired and doing something like that. Or maybe they just didn't admit it and just said they used. Yeah, know. probably that. Yeah, that and the, uh, you know, maybe it was a one-time deal and the kid being stupid tried it. was like, where's mama? She's up. (laughs) (laughs) She's living the dream here. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Yeah, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll be honest. I know this was all my background. You know, I was a knucklehead when I was younger. I didn't deal drugs, but, um, you know, I I, – did some stuff and, and I didn't get hired by the agency that Seth worked for. They were very much looking for people that, you know, didn't basically require boys. And I agree. I think the best cops were usually guys that had some experience. You know, how I was, did, how I did think Seth I'm get great. hired if that's what they were looking for? <laughs> I had yeah. enough, I had enough time in between me doing dumb shit, you know, okay. like, yeah, I've done drugs in college and done all that. I had just had enough time in between, but that was a benefit to me. I, I, I talked to a, you know, Nothing against Mormons. I've got Mormons in my family. But, you know, a Mormon kid who's literally never had a sip of alcohol, I'm like, you don't even know what a drunk person looks like, buddy, because you've never been there. You know, I've worked at a bar. I've been drunk thousands of times, smoked weed, done all the dumb shit. And uh, it's very easy for me to look at somebody. You know, I know now. I know if somebody's been smoking weed, I just pop open a bag of Doritos and I watch that motherfucker squirm. (laughs) (laughs) You're high. Get some hot Cheetos. You're high. Hell yeah. (laughs) Doesn't that smell good? You know, and I, I think I was a really good dope cop just because I, you know, the old saying, be the ball, you know, I mean, I remember my, uh, my boss and I were driving, working up in Oric, which is way up north, uh, humble little town. And we had some time to kill. And I said, well, let's go find somebody to take to jail for, you know, being stupid. Um, and I thought if I was going to do dope, where would I go? And I'm like right here. So I drive down this road and sure enough, at the where it tees off into like a lagoon on the ocean there's this car park there all by itself and lo and behold do a vehicle investigation guys got drugs on them and you know yada 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 end up arresting them and and it's like dude how how do you know when i'm like you just gotta think like you're you know the suspects right so yep I guess that's why i wasn't good at kitty crimes because i can't be the boss oh boy yeah no thanks God, I used to tell my boss in investigations, I'll take three homicides to any freaking kitty case. Oh, yeah. All day and give long. give somebody else. Yeah, that's, that's a hard that's no good. No. Yeah. But, well, uh, yeah, man, you guys, uh, you guys. I, I was uh, trying to end it on a good point, but I guess we're going to end it on child born now. Cool. Thanks, Greg. Good job. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't, I seriously, man, I don't know how those people do that shit. That's I don't a, either. That's a very... I'm glad complaint. someone does it, but I, I don't know. That's harsh, man. Thank you for God, doing that. God bless all the investigators yeah. that work all that kitty crime stuff, man. They they earn their money. We have some friends that go after those people. I could definitely do that. Oh, like just kick their doors in yeah, and like fucking murder kick them? Kick yeah. the doors down and apprehend them. I couldn't I mean, like the investigators. Not murder. <laughs> no, not that. Um, but, yeah, the people that do the investigation and build the cases, I couldn't do that shit. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, – I it's to, tough, and I did have to do a few of them, and you just uh, you, there's just not a shower good enough that washes that off at the end of the day. I had to serve a, a our warrant service team hit a uh, a guy that worked for our department and was a supervisor 
And I knew him from, because he worked in the neighboring office, and we had to hit his house for oh, CP. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, it was just gross. And he was trying to talk his way out of everything and Scumbags. show me the warrant bullshit. And we're like, fuck you, man. He went, he went away. Here, it's in the dirt. It's down there. Yeah. So anybody that thinks we don't, uh, we don't prosecute our own, well, we sure do. Yeah, that's always a big story when there's a public servant that gets arrested for uh, something completely off the wall like that. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, and, 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 you know, there's nothing good cops hate worse than is, is a bad cop because they give us all a bad name. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I hope they all get what they deserve in prison. Yeah. You know, I wish that they would get, you know, that's my commentary, but I, I really think if you're, if you're in law enforcement and you go out and do something, you know, like that, 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 that you should get more of a penalty than the average person because, you know, you have been entrusted with the public's trust and, and and damn well know better, and and you've done so much damage to the profession when you go out and do something egregious like that. I mean, we all do stupid shit, but that's beyond stupid. That's just, yeah. Um, but yeah, some child porn, you know, that kind of stuff. You should get way more penalty if you're in, in law enforcement and are involved in that crap. Um, that's my personal opinion, but. Uh, yeah, I know. I'll tell you. I, I I know there's dirty cops. It's like there's dirty doctors and plumbers. But I can honestly say I don't. I never saw anything in my career that I was like, you know, like oh yeah, that guy's fucking dirty, right? Um, I guess I was lucky that I was surrounded with good people. Uh, are they around? Absolutely. I think they're few and far between. But the profession does a pretty good job of weeding those people out. Or they weed themselves out. You know, you can only hide the fact that you're a dipshit for so long before you step on your own weenie and, and get IA or something. And, um, and and that was the shittiest job I ever had. Law enforcement was doing <laughs> IAs, by the way. So, uh, yeah, come in on Monday and go, hey, guess what so and so did? Um, so, damn it. That sucks. <laughs> I never told you this. Yeah. You can end on this. Sure. Not as dark as what we've been talking not about. Not like getting peed on in the shower? No. Okay. Uh, one of my partners, uh, we were partners for like a while, maybe a couple of years. And he he was a uh, like textbook Gen X guy, you know, grew up latchkey kid, did what he wanted, did all the like, you know, late 70s, early 80s drugs with all the other hippie kids and got on the fire business. And he got fired he failed a drug test like a oh. like he was really dumb about this because he knew it was coming and just like thought it would be out of his system you know like he wanted to he partied a little hard um on his days off i didn't know that like i knew he used to do stuff but when we were working together i didn't know he was we didn't hang out that much off duty but he was a solid fireman um so he got fired lost his job and then a couple years later one of my other friends that i grew up with um, he's a, he's a cop and he was on our uh, sheriff's SWAT team and did some un- undercover stuff, I think for a while they ended up kicking my old partner's door in for growing weed in his garage and took all his, like had the whole thing set up oh, like man. a couple of years after he got fired and I don't know if he went to jail or got out on bond or something. But Bummer. It sucks. Went down the wrong road. Yeah. Well now, yeah. It's, but the, this was like t- 12 years ago, something like that. Now it's legal in Florida to grow weed and buy it and sell it. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But I think it's coming everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. You know? It's like we're watching the fall of the Second Roman Empire right before our eyes. Yeah. We get to live it. It's great. Front row seat. Yeah. Thanks. I just need to learn how to play the fiddle so I can sit up on the roof while it all burns, right? <laughs> Change my name to Nero. <laughs> hey, you know what? We came up in a good time, though. The 80s, 90s were great. Like, oh, yeah. We probably all grew up in the Dude, best time I, out there. I, I completely believe that the 80s and like rural America in the 80s was the best time yeah. in all of human history. I had a great childhood. I don't yep. like... The 70s didn't have, we didn't have quite as much like technology with air conditioning and some like some convenient things. Mm -hmm. And the 90s had the internet. Like, so your childhood was ruined by computers. And yeah, technology. I remember, I remember when like, it took five minutes to download a naked picture of a woman when I was, oh my God, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if so, we had, if we had the, the freaking <laughs> internet that we have now when I was a kid, my dick would look like a number two pencil <laughs> that you stuck in this freaking pencil sharpener until it was just the metal thing in the eraser. Woo. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a prolific freaking, yeah, well, that would have been bad. That's a problem, right? That's what's happening to the majority of people, not just young boys, but oh, when, uh, everybody's getting addicted. You to, had to work for your porn back when right. I was a kid. It's a waiting process. Like you, you got a lot to think about in that five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole, that's a whole other topic, man. It's not even just porn. It's all, um, it's the internet as a whole. You can be addicted to Instagram, YouTube, oh, yeah. Twitter, <laughs> like Facebook, whatever your thing is. It's, it's sucking our souls. Yeah. We didn't have that growing up. So we were free. Right. Back to being the like, best time to crash up. jumping bikes. Like we build oh, yeah. all these crazy ass ramps and jump into the lake. Off the of docks, down the hills, crash all the time. You knew where all your buddies were by the pile of bikes out in the front yard. Yeah. You know, we, we load a truck up or somebody's truck with eight or six or eight people. You know, only two could fit up front because they, they didn't have extended cabs. And roll an hour to the beach. Everybody's in the back just riding. Can you imagine seeing a big group of kids doing that now? You know, in Tennessee, as long as you're a, you're not a minor, you can still ride in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah, I here. think Florida's Crazy. the same. Yeah. Idaho's the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As long as you're yeah. sitting down in the bed, don't recommend it. No, seen that crash no. doesn't end well. There wasn't. No, that's, that's a Darwin's ride. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it more than I can count. Oh yeah, but yeah, me too. Oh damn! All right, well let's kill this. All we right. got to get to work. Time to go to work. Thank you, sir, for Thanks, joining Greg. us. Hey, I appreciate you guys' time, and uh, oh, yeah, shit. call me back if you ever want to. Uh, oh, we'll have you back. Oh, yeah. This was classic. Yeah. Um, Seth's going to send you that book. You can do the – I'm actually – I've been listening to it, but I'm going to do the hard copy too so I can kind of work through it and take notes, and I want to share it with my boys. It's that powerful. Cool. So Good. Yeah, I'll text it to you. I appreciate it. So, thanks, right. guys. Nice catching up with nice you, brother. Nice to meet you. Hey, you have a good day. And real quick before we leave, uh, Tennessee's full for anybody that's thinking about coming out here. They just put the <laughs> – Full up sign out. So yeah, Tennessee, um, it'll never be that full because it's hard to live there. It's 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 very humid, dude. It's it's like I don't know. Yeah, terrible. There's you know there's right. there's mosquitoes with FAA ID numbers on the side of them. Yeah. I mean it's crazy here. You don't want so Tennessee's full. Idaho's full. What's next? Florida's definitely Florida's full. full. I mean Florida's got to be pushing Just toward thirty million people at? now. Yeah. Well, why don't you fix things where you are instead of being an asshole? All right. Well, I was one of those assholes, so I can't say anything about it. But. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, you re no, you retired and your house burned down. There's there's different things, That's right? Like true, just leaving somewhere because you're like, I'm done. I'm tired of this. And then like the people that came here from the West Coast, they're not going to stay here. They didn't want to be here. They wanted to get out of where they were. They're going to find Tennessee or Texas or Arizona, like somewhere else that warmer doesn't have our winters. That is 
cheaper cost of living or whatever their reason is, they'll move on. Like yeah. th- I think there's a huge percentage of these people that have moved in the last two to three years that are going to continue to move. Mm. Like re- retiring and like going to your place that you're going to stay and like rebuild your life. That's separate. Okay. Mm. So right. you have a pass set. So I'm okay. All right. I got a pass. All right. On that note, now we're done. Yep. Boom. All right. Cool. See you, bro. Bye. Away go.